0: Before we begin today's podcast, we'd like to acknowledge the passing of Mr. David Thayer. A remembrance by Eric Stone, Associate Professor in the Theater Arts Department and Head of the Design of Program at the University of Iowa, has written, It is with great sadness that the Department of Theater Arts at the University of Iowa marks the passing of David L. Thayer. David was a true visionary. He dedicated his career to the creation of innovative work exploring the possibilities of lighting design, and mentoring countless artists. Always with incredible fidelity, always with tremendous heart. David arrived in Iowa City for graduate school in 1953. In the 63 years following, he taught courses spanning 33 different topics, advised hundreds of productions through his 42-year teaching career, and designed constantly for the university productions in theater, opera, and dance, even in retirement. In the 21 years after retiring, David maintained his nearly weekly presence in the department, working with students in designing as well as doing productions for the School of Music and Department of Dance. A prolific artist, David designed lighting for world premiere productions of 21 plays, seven operas, more than 100 dances, and over 150 other productions on campus and elsewhere, a portfolio spanning more than 350 designs. He became an assistant professor in 1960 after he earned his Ph.D. with a dissertation entitled A Study of the Influences of Conventional Film Lighting on Audience Response. He was promoted to associate professor in 1965 and full professor in 1968. David headed the design program from 1973 to 1996 and the theater technology program from 1973 to 1993. David was instrumental in establishing design as a central element in the American College Theater Festival. And, in 1997, he was honored with the Kennedy Center ACTF Gold Medallion for Lifetime Service. David's long and distinguished career is intrinsically linked to the establishment of USITT. USITT was founded in 1960. David joined the organization in 1963 and served on the board of directors from 1963 until 1971. His service also included positions on the editorial board as well as serving as second vice president. His role in shaping USITT organization is immeasurable. Of the 120-plus individuals inducted as fellows of USITT, two of them were David's mentors, and at least three were his students. At the 2018 conference in Fort Lauderdale, David was honored on one of the large banners flown above the trade show floor. In 1965, USITT published the inaugural issue of Theater Design and Technology. In the seminal issue, David's article on planning the lighting control systems foretold of how we would approach lighting design in the future. His article challenges the industry to create lighting control systems, which are responsive in live performance, support conceptual approaches to lighting design, understand the capabilities and limitations of operators, and encourage the use of machines, which we now call computers, to create an interactive tool for design. In the article, David also talked about the idea of a lighting fixture with more than one controllable property, Intensity was the only viable option at the time, but David saw the possibility of a fixture with capabilities for color changing and movement. Ten years after David's article in July of 1975, Theron Musser designed the lighting for a chorus line, using the first computerized lighting control console on Broadway. Then, in 1980, Shoko bought the first fully automated light into production, and in 1986, the USITT Engineering Commission developed DMX-512. Which has been the standard communications protocol for lighting control for the past 32 years. David had presented the template for how to approach the creation of these new technologies and his original thesis has rippled through the industry. In fact, the impact has been deemed so important that the article was reprinted in the 1994 winter issue of Theater Design and Technology. David introduced me to the idea that there were many ways to do theater, that theater didn't need to be realistic, that points of view should be questioned, One should know what message your production of the play is communicating to the audience, that you should always strive to make your production better. When he stared at you and pointed his finger, you knew he was going to ask something important, and you needed to have a well-thought-out answer. The Department of Theatre Arts at the University of Iowa has created a page to memorialize David's legacy. Along with biographical information, there is a section with reflections from students whom David mentored. It is an exceptional tribute to David's lasting legacy. Additional reflections can be emailed to R. Eric Stone, head of the design program for the Department of Theater Arts. The Department of Theater Arts is dedicated to the lasting legacy of the lifetime of excellence that David modeled, including helping theater artists at the start of their careers. To that end, the David L. Thayer Memorial Scholarship Fund has been created and is seeking additional donations to honor David's lifelong contribution to inspiring new artists. The fund was started by a generous gift from Judy Thayer, David's wife, to support graduate students in the Department of Theater Arts Design Program. If you'd like to read this memorial, please visit usitt.org. Thank you, David Thayer. Our world is much brighter because of you. Hello, everyone and welcome to this latest episode of the podcast. My name is Richard Bryant, and I am your host. It's May 20th, 2020. This is the Corona Chronicles, Day 69. Hello, everyone. Here are some quick news and notes for tonight. From our friends at Playbill.com, a Way to Support Freelance Immigrant Theater Artists Impacted by COVID-19 Line designer Sha Si and scenic designer Kimi Nishikawa have teamed to help support immigrant theater artists financially impacted by the COVID-19 crisis. With a pa- campaign goal of $20,000, the fund will release $500 microgrants to as many artists impacted by theater closures and cancellations as possible. C. Si and Nishikawa, who are both immigrant designers based in Brooklyn, created the fund after seeing a need among freelance OPT and O-1 visa holders working in the theater. While legally allowed to work, visa holders do not have the same access to state unemployment benefits. There is a lack of resources for low-income immigrant freelance artists in New York City. Applying for unemployment benefits is a huge risk for us, and many times we are not even eligible to receive benefits. Share C and Nishikawa Old visa holders are issued their visas to allow them to do specific work in the U.S., meaning we cannot even seek work outside of theater design legally. Most of our theatrical performances this year have been postponed and pushed to next year or simply canceled, say the designers, and we are in deep financial trouble for the foreseeable future. Donated money will be divided among immigrant designers and artists, including scenic, prop, and costume designers, wig and makeup artists, line designers, sound designers, and projection designers. Please visit Playbill.com for finding out ways that you can contribute to this fund. Continuing on, from our friends at What's On Stage, the Curve Leicester to remain closed until November. The venue has announced that it will be canceling and postponing a number of shows. The Curve Leicester will remain closed until October thirty-first, 2020, the theater has announced. In a statement, the venue said, although we know this is disappointing, we are working hard to ensure our program of work, and community offering is as strong as ever for when we are able to reopen the theater. In the meantime, we are contacting all customers, and we ask everyone to be patient at this time and to not contact at the box office. We promise a number of the team will be in touch. Whilst we miss the spirit, connection, and feeling of being together in your theater, we are pleased to have connected with many of you online, over the past few months and will continue to do so for the foreseeable future. Alongside performance and workshops, we have currently commissioned a recent number of local artists to create bespoke online content, which we look forward to sharing over the coming weeks. The venue has been forced to cancel productions, including a new revival of Roman Holiday, while other pieces, including Cat on a Hot Tin Roof and Love Never Dies, are expected to be rescheduled. Its production of The Wizard of Oz is still scheduled to go ahead. In other theater news, as we continue to follow the saga of the Guthrie Theater, today they announced layoffs that take its staff from 262 down to 55. This report was brought to you by Ross Rahila. The Guthrie Theater announced today that it is cutting 79% of its staff because of the coronavirus pandemic. The move drops the theater's full and part-time staff from 262 to 55. Earlier this month, the theater revealed big cuts to its next season including reducing its $31 million budget to a projected $12.6 million and producing just three plays, down from ten. The very premise of theater is a gathering of people, in the audience, in the lobbies, on the stage, in the rehearsal rooms, and backstage, artistic director Joseph Hodge said in a news release. As a producing theater, our largest source of income is ticket sales. Being unable to perform for so long is financially devastating. It is the significant of challenge and the result change in programming that necessitates both short term and long term layoffs as well as the elimination of positions. As an additional cost saving measure, the Guthrie six member senior management team will continue to receive 15 to 20 percent salary reductions, which begin when the theater first canceled productions in March. I look forward to the day when we can safely welcome audiences and artists back to the Guthrie, Hodge said. If we can open before March, we will make every effort to do so. Page 2. From our friends at USITT. USITT is saddened to learn of the recent passing of David L. Thayer. David joined USITT in 1963 and served on the board of directors from 1963 until 1971. His service also included positions on the editorial board as well as serving as second vice president. His role in shaping USITT organization is immeasurable. An extensive remembrance has been posted on USITT's website, and we included it here at the beginning of our show. Continuing on, in their series of posts from designers whose productions were canceled due to the global COVID-19 pandemic, costume designer Cindy Moon presents her work. Cindy designed the costumes for the Moss Arts Center, Virginia Tech's production of Pippin. Here's how she described her designs. Our approach for Pippin came from the idea of the synthetic versus the natural. The ensemble is all designed in golds and silvers, fabrics that are very unnatural and made of synthetic materials. Catherine, Thea, and Bertie are, on the other hand, are all natural prints with natural fibers like cotton and linen. Pippin is stuck between these worlds and isn't sure which way to go, which is costume reflects in the combining of the textiles. Creating this world also involved reflecting on the current social media addictions of attention and false glamour. The ensemble, royalty, and leading players present this luxurious and sensual appeal to the audience. If you'd like to check out Cindy's work, please visit USITT's Facebook page, as well as many of their other social media platforms. And finally, from our friends at USITT, their last Technically Speaking podcast continues their series of interviews with this year's YDMT award winners. In this episode, USITT content specialist Jen Shuren sat down over the phone with Afsena Ayani, the 2020 USITT award for scene design winner, sponsored by Roseband. You can listen on Apple Podcasts or check it out on Spotify. Be sure to give it a listen. Before I conclude today's podcast, I once again want to extend my gratitude to the members of our armed services, to our health care workers, our nurses and doctors, our first responders, the police, fire and emergency service officers around the world. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Please join me in continuing to support these women and men as they face this near impossible task of saving lives in the face of such great adversity. Please support your local food bank and shelters. If possible, donate blood at one of your local Red Crosses. Be sure to check in on the elderly and support those who have special needs. Reach out to a friend and help not only make their day, but also improve your own. Please support your small and local businesses as well. Be sure to continue to practice good hygiene, the wearing of personal protective equipment, and social distancing. The last word for tonight, instead of me, is going to be some remarks from Mr. David Theater. These remarks come from the hit this a celebration honoring his career held on february 13th 2019 in what is known as the thayer theater in the theater building well now i want to thank all of you for coming to this event i call it an event because i don't know what it's about but thank you just the same when i first got here in 1953 the department was speech and dramatic art and included film and television as well as speech and theater dewey stewart and was dean and Virgil Hancher was president. We had only two theaters on campus, what would later be called E.C. Maybe Theater and McBride Auditorium. McBride was the home of opera and later of dance. Mr. Edward Mabee was in charge of the theater division. I was assigned to the television studio because I had worked at Ames for a quarter in the WOI studio, the only television station in the state. The department had three faculty in acting and directing two in history and literature, and three in production. The department offered five degrees, a BA and BS, MA and MS, and PhD. Incidentally, I do have a PhD and served on several dissertation committees, but only one student ever referred to me as Dr. Theater. In Maybe Theater, we had a general electric lighting control board which had 48 dimmers but no presets. Also in Maybe Theater, there were no covers in the sidewalls or a grid over the four-stage. We had lots of plano-convex spotlights, but not many Fresnels or ellipsoidal spotlights. We didn't have projectors except for a single Leninbach. We did six productions each school year and one or two in the summer, and these were all directed by faculty. The sets were box sets. One original script was performed each year. So that's the situation when I came. You all know where we are now and know that we have moved a long way from when I came. I'm glad to have been a part of this development. Thank you. And thank you, Mr. Thayer thank you again. My name is Richard Bryant, and I have been your host. It's May 20th, 2020. This has been the Corona Chronicles, Day 69. Take care, be well, and good night. If you have any questions comments or suggestions on how to make this podcast better please send them to archive tt24 at yahoo.com again that's archive tt24 at yahoo.com